You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, of course, Connor Halley. I am your host. You can give me a follow on Twitter. And before we get into it, i got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. And I really got to recommend the pools. The free-to-play pools are absolutely awesome. Lots of money to be won. When you sign up, use promo code THPN. And let me tell you a little bit about them. Very simple. All you have to do is download the DraftKings app, go to the pools page, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes all you have to do is answer a handful of questions, follow the results throughout the evening, and see how you did. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at tens of thousands of dollars in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at these huge cash prizes. Promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And I want to let you guys know, in case you don't follow me on Twitter or you might have missed it, we're doing something really cool here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got a series called Dynasty by Decade. It's presented by DraftKings. Like I just told you, sign up, use promo code THPN, where we're taking a look at some of the greatest dynasties in professional hockey. And it's been a real cool series. It all started off back in May, episode one, the 1960s Toronto Maple Leafs. And episode two featured the 1970s Montreal Canadiens. Episode three, the 1970s Philadelphia Flyers. Episode four, the New York Islanders of the 1980s. And episode five just came out yesterday, the 1980s Edmonton Oilers, hosted by myself. And it was a real cool experience for me. I say it in the podcast, but I was born in 1987. So although I was alive for three of the Stanley Cups, I can't really say I remember them. Heard a lot of the stories. I had the boys on the bus VHS, which I watched nonstop until one of my neighbors actually broke it. So I knew a little bit about the team, but for me, getting to research it and, you know, talk to people that watched it happen from all angles. We had Dr. Randy Gregg on, of course, played for the Edmonton Oilers, winning five Stanley Cups. I spoke to Jim Matheson of the Edmonton Journal and Post Media. He covered that team. He, I mean, he's covered the team since they were in the WHA. So some fun stories from him. I spoke to Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN 1260. He also writes at The Athletic. When they were winning all those Stanley Cups, he wasn't quite in sports media yet. He was a, a top 40 jock talking music and having a good time spinning records, things like that. But he was a big Oilers fan. Had him on the show where we talked about everything Oilers, and I think he probably could have talked about the issues with the fourth line left wing back in the day. We didn't go that far into it, but you know, that you get my point. And we also talked to Jason Strudwick. He, of course, one half of the Jason Greger show, but also played for the Edmonton Oilers, grew up here in the city idolizing those guys. And a cool story about, you know, the time he got a chance to go up against Charlie Huddy, playing him in the minors. Uh, he played with the Vancouver Canucks alongside Mark Messier. So, just all in all, a very cool show. You can search for it on Apple Podcasts, Dynasty by Decade, presented by DraftKings, or like I said, give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. I've got it there. Uh, it'll be my pinned tweet. It's just a really cool episode, and I highly recommend you check it out for the diehard Oiler fans out there. You'll learn a lot, and uh, pretty entertaining if I don't say so myself. Now, on to today's show. It is the offseason. We are rolling on here, and on Tuesday's episode, we brought in Hernan Salas to talk about the Oilers' forward group today. 
We're going to talk about the defense and the goaltending with Matthew Onick of TSN 1260 and the Dave Jamison Show. And we also went through the expansion draft protection list and tried to figure out who the Oilers might be protecting and, you know, who might be the unfortunate player that they lose in the expansion draft. It's a conversation I had with Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260. Give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Awanek. Let's get to that conversation right now. We now bring in Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260. He is one half of the Dave Jameson Show. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Awanek. Matt, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and just to clear, make sure it's clarified, I'm the worst half of the Dave Jameson Show. But the, the best half is still Dave Jameson. <laughs> so, I mean, he gets the naming rights, obviously. It, it's not even the, the Dave Jameson Show with Matthew Awanek. It's the Dave Jameson Show. If you had to break it down into percentages, like how much do you think you would uh, take credit for? Well, I think uh, all the good stuff mostly would come from Dave. All the hate that we get generally comes my way. Uh, so, yeah, if you're just listening and you think something sounds terrible, it's probably because of me. And if you think something sounding good, it's because of Dave. So whatever percent that is, that's how I would go with it. I don't know. What, I mean, Dave and I, we strive for mediocrity. We don't strive for anything greater. Um, so, you know, that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. When you become too big, that's when the problems start. That's something I learned a while ago. Just... Stay in the marsh, stay kind of in the middle, and, and you'll have no problems. Uh, that's kind of where the Edmonton Oilers are right now. Uh, they're not a great team by any means, but they're not a terrible team. Just right there in the middle, and uh, we're going to focus on them today. But, Matt, I don't know if you saw, we had a, a an episode drop about uh, dynasties in the NHL, a presentation of DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. They asked me to do it. Which was great, but I was born in 87. I didn't really get a chance to watch the Oilers of the 80s, so I kind of had to reach out to people and get them on the show, share their thoughts about the team. You're even younger than I am, but we have one thing in common. We're both born and raised in Edmonton. How much did you hear about that 80s team when you were growing up? Well, people talked about the 80s team? No way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things in Edmonton, which was, yeah, like you, you know everything about the 80s teams of the Oilers growing up in this city because of how great it was. Like plain and simple, that eighties Oilers team was one of the greatest sports dynasty in all of North American sports. I'm not talking hockey. I'm talking North American sports here. It's up there with the Bulls and it's up there with anything else. Like, it, it was that great. And honestly, how great was it? When you think of the Oilers, you think, oh they have five Stanley Cups. This is a great franchise. But actually when you really look at the years of the Oilers, the Oilers have had way more years of crap as opposed to success. You think of everything that has happened since the mid-90s. How many great years have there been for the Edmonton Oilers? Ah, they've had a couple second play, uh, second round appearances. They had the 06 run, obviously. But there's also the decade of darkness and a lot of missed playoff years. Yet the Oilers are considered one of those big franchises. Why? Because of that span of from when they joined the NHL. I won't include the WHA in this. From 79 till uh, their last cup was 90. But they had a couple years after that. It was because of how dominant it was. And, yeah, when you grow up in the city, you hear about it. It's it's just incredible to think about that. just how many Hall of Famers have come from it. And you go, well, you got Wayne Gretzky, you got Yari Curry, you got Paul Coffey, you got Glenn Anderson, you got uh, Grant Fuhrer, you got Mark Messi. Like, you just got unbelievable star-studded talent. I was lucky enough to be at their anniversary thing they had a few years ago. And it's the sad part about growing up in Edmonton, a martyr age, because we missed it. We missed this greatness. Um, the only thing I would say is... Sometimes nowadays people still talk about it a little too much, and it's like, okay, let's move on. It was a long time ago. Yeah, and I, I know, like, you look at that, the, the Hope era, Hall, Omar, I don't know why he was included in there, Play RV. Uh, Everly. 
Everly, yeah. It was like those, those guys, for some reason, it seemed like every second month or so, they were honoring the alumni. And I felt bad for those guys. I mean, that's a lot to live up to. Like that, I, I forget exactly which year it was. It was 86 or 87. But the NHL voted them the greatest team of all time. And I'm just looking at the numbers right now. That 1985-1986 team, uh, man, that was, that was the year they lost. And they put up 426 goals for. They only lost 17 games. Like, that was outstanding. Then they win two straight Stanley Cups. I think that was kind of the revenge tour. But man, I, it, it's a lot to live up to. But it's funny because you're right. Like they had a seven really good year span, and then after that, it, it you know a lot of mediocrity. So we're hoping this uh, new rendition of the Edmonton Oilers can find a way to get back to that type of level. But yeah, I, I would just say this. I was talking to Jim Matheson on the show, uh, Decade by Dynasty. You can find it. Uh, on, I believe on iTunes, kind of wherever you get your podcast from, through the Hockey Podcast Network, and just talking to him about how the three-year stretch where they added Gretzky, Messier, Lowe, Yari Curry, I think Esatikinen came in, and it was like all these guys joined the team 22 years or younger. Grant Fear joining at the age of 19. Like, just absurd what they were able to do. Something you couldn't do anymore. No, because the cap, the cap hurts that. Like, that Oilers team can never... Be, be kept together like the way that they were. Um, you know, it's the same as why I'll never, we'll never see a true dynasty anymore, I don't think, in, in North American sports because of the cap situations. And that's why I think when you see teams win, who was it, the Blackhawks won three in six years or something like that, I will always view that as a modern day dynasty. I think we have to change what we believe a dynasty to be because it's virtually impossible to do. You know, you have a hard cap now. We've seen teams have to be broken up because, well, how do you keep all these guys together? I mean, look, the Oilers have two great players who are signed. And the question is, you know, how do they have the money for other people? The Toronto Maple Leafs, the same type of situation. So we'll never see something like that. Um, and it's fortunate for Oilers fans of that time that they got to witness it, that they got to witness just greatness in some of the greatest players of all time. And I will always just laugh, though, because, you know, people will always say in the 80s, the second greatest team was probably the Calgary Flames. The only problem was they always had to go up against their division rival, and they always kept winning. Well, it just it's something that brings a smile to my face somewhat as an Edmontonian that the Oilers have that dynasty. They have the greatest player in the game and all these other great players. And then it's the Oilers, of course, who win Connor McDavid. And imagine being a Flames fan or anyone else just going and watching that entire run of the 80s. And then nowadays you're looking and going, they got the next best player? I couldn't imagine doing that, but it, it makes me happy just because I am an Edmontonian. And it's kind of like, that's funny. <laughs> Did you happen to see, uh, I guess it was over like last weekend, uh, the talk of uh, dynasties? And it was, it looked like a uh, New York Islanders based kind of TV show or movie, maybe profiling that 80 scene that they had, because they had an outstanding group. And one of the media members said that, like, you, you have to win three straight to be a dynasty. And that's why the Oilers weren't a true dynasty. And I, I looked back at it, like, the Showtime Lakers never won three in a row. Uh, there was a bunch of other teams that were so good. I think the, the, uh, Dallas Cowboys in the 80s never won three in a row. Like, I don't know where he picked out that number three in a row, but the Edmonton Oilers winning five in seven years, I don't know how you debate it. That's Stan Sichler, I believe it was. That's and what it was, yes. I, look, the New England Patriots never won three Super Bowls in a row either. Are we going to sit here and say Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were never part of a dynasty with the New England Patriots? Look, they, they ended up winning six over like 20 years or something. I think that entire run is basically a dynasty between those two. But to say that the Oilers of a time when they won five of seven, right, it's five of, five of seven, right? Yes, it was. That's two back-to-back. To, back. to say that they weren't a dynasty in that time, 
when winning five of seven? Seriously, like, come on. Like, no one wins three, and I'm sorry. It's, you know, if it wasn't for, honestly, if it wasn't for Steve Smith, the team would have had six and seven. You know, like, this is, is, it's foolish to look at it and go, you need three. Look, if maybe the Oilers in one of those two of the years that they didn't win the Cup missed the playoffs or something like that, then sure. But they still were one of the dominating teams of all time. You know, you mentioned the 400 goals in the season um, by the team. I think that's only been done by an NHL team. I, I could be wrong, but three or four times has a team scored 400 goals or more in a season, if I'm not mistaken. And they're only the Edmonton Oilers. There's no other team that has ever accomplished that. In the 80s, they changed rules to stop the Oilers from scoring points. That's how good they were. So for anyone to look at that and go, that's not a dynasty, to me at that moment, your sports takes invalid moving forward. (laughs) I'm going to agree with you. Like It it is ridiculous. Uh, For those who want to check it out, it is the Dynasty by Decade presented by DraftKings. Uh, if you go to at HockeyPodNet on Twitter, they've got the links there. A lot of fun talking to Jim Matheson, Low Tide, uh, Dr. Randy Gregg, who won five Stanley Cups with the team. Jason Strodok, who obviously played in the NHL, gets to work with us. He's got that honor and uh, grew up idolizing that team. Fun fun conversations there. Check it out. Uh, Matt, that isn't really why I brought you on here, but I wanted to get your hot take on that one. So I appreciate you uh, giving us some some stuff right there. The current rendition, or I don't know if it's rendition, this current edition of the team, how about that? Uh, looking at the blue line, I, I think there's a lot of questions for this team going forward, and on Tuesday's episode of the the Other Connor podcast, Hernan Salas and I kind of broke down that offensive group, and, and it, you know I, I wanted to do the whole team with him, run through it, but we did about 35 minutes, and we just finished the forwards. So we'll talk defense <laughs> with you right now, and just looking at the 2021-2022 Oilers blue line, Let's just start at the top. I mean, I think you pencil in Darnell Nurse on that top left defense, correct? Why would you pen? How do you yeah, yeah, that, that was dumb. one? <laughs> I ain't moving Darnell Nurse from that top left side. I think uh, you could be comfortable to use that one in pen, not pencil. Yeah, I like that phrase, so I just used it and immediately was like, no, yeah, maybe get a Sharpie, tattoo that one in there. How about on the right side, though? That's a good one. Um, like for me for next year, I think based on you want to slowly develop prospects. I'm going to go on the mindset that you're not bringing back Tyson Berry if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I think his price might be a little too high, um, but maybe Ken Holland goes out there and is able to resign him, or he brings in someone like a Dougie Hamilton. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily needed right off the bat. Like if you want to go all in for next year, then yeah, if you could go make a splash on the right side, I think that, you know, whether it be a Barry or Dougie Hamilton, obviously they're going to go there on that right side. But we know Ken Holland wants to build a team both immediately and but also still keep the long term going. And I don't have an issue personally with Ethan Bear starting there and then we'll get later, but allowing Evan Bouchard to grow into that position that role um over the next couple of years because I think Darnell Nurse and, and Ethan Bear have been fine. They're actually a little bit better than fine, um at not often as a pairing. And when you have a Darnell Nurse who's playing the if he could play the way he did last year, this past season, I'm not gonna necessarily say that thanks to production being at the exact same, but something close, 
I think you could live with an Ethan Bear for a year because he is still a very young defenseman. And, you, you know, this was his second year, and the progression wasn't there, I think, exactly as people would have liked, but he did battle some concussions. And, uh, again, still very young, but I think he could take that little bit of step forward. And I, right now, would have him as my right-side guy with Darnell Nurse. What about you? Yeah, that's actually where I was going to come out as well. I mean, yeah, if you can look to free agency and bring someone in that, you know, is a bona fide top pairing guy, that would be outstanding. But right now, we can't really predict the future and say what's going to happen. So I was thinking Ethan Bear as well. And, you know, going into next year, you have to assume that there's a, a training camp and preseason and, you know, just more for him to, to make sure he hits the ground running. And you talked about it, the unfortunate concussion that he had, just such a random play. And you, you know, there were setbacks there, it took him a little while. I really want to see what he can do there. So I would 100% agree with you on that one. I think your top pairing nurse and uh, Ethan Bear. And, and you hope that Ethan Bear was kind of a sponge just looking at Tyson Berry, seeing the little things that he did and, uh, you know, try to add that and just grow his game because I don't think we know what the ceiling is for Ethan Bear right now. And I think also part of like, the idea of signing a Tyson Berry or Dougie Hamilton, not only is it going to be money, it's going to be term. You're going to have to give a few years and... I'm sorry. At some point, that's going to be Evan Bouchard's spot. So, how can you afford to pay, you know, that a guy like a Dougie Hamilton or Tyson Berry, where you know, three or four years from now, you might be looking at needing to get rid of that contract or something like that? And I'm just always so worried spending in free agency in this day and age with the NHL because not as much the money, but it's the terms that, like, the length of the contract that generally is where you get into trouble, and it's harder to get out there. And how do you get the free agent? Well, you got to beat other teams off. And and if you're Edmonton, part of that is going to have to be term. It's going to have to be no move or no trade clauses. And, you know, the Oilers are just getting on the handcuffs of Peter Shirelli that do you necessarily want to go right back into it in your first summer? Um, and, and that's just the thing that concerns me. Like, if you can get a Tyson Berry or a Dougie Hamilton on a three-year deal, like, you're jumping at that. But you know that they're probably looking five to seven years type thing. And I think that's just too long for this Edmonton Oilers team with the prospects that are in the pipeline for this defensive core. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you do have to look a little bit to the future as well, right? You got Darnell Nurse, a guy who you're going to have to re-sign at some point. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yessi Pugliarvi, Kyler Yamamoto. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but you can't just spend all this money. You know you got to keep a little bit in the back pocket for those extensions uh, later on down the road. Now, looking at the Oilers' second pairing, Let's assume Adam Larson resigns. Uh, from what I've heard, I don't know what you've heard. It looks like that's almost automatic. But what do you think the ideal second pairing would look like for the Oilers? It's, it's Oscar Kleppbaum. If Oscar Kleppbaum is healthy, what a second pairing you have if you're the Edmonton Oilers of Oscar Kleppbaum with Adam Larson. Just a few years ago, that was your number one pairing defenseman for this team, and now all of a sudden you could possibly have them as the number two going up against lesser competition, being shielded by Darnell Nurse in a sense and whoever he's paired with. Um, we know how good Oscar Kleffbaum can be when he's healthy. That's the big part, when healthy. But if he's healthy, like he, he's so important for this team. I'll always look back to the 1920 uh, year before the pause. Uh, Connor McDavid was hurt on this team, and we saw the Oilers find ways to still win. And then it was the moment Oscar Kleffbaum got hurt that we saw them start struggling. And just how important he's been to this team when he's healthy that – if Clasbaum is healthy, if he's still relatively young, he's got a great salary, I would say, at just over four. Him and Adam Larson, that to me is just an excellent second pairing you can have in the NHL. Now, let's say Oscar Clasbaum is able to return, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll find out in the next little while here. 
How long do you think it would take to get back in that NHL shape? And and I don't mean just physically, but you, you can't really uh, duplicate the the physicality and the tempo of an NHL game. Do you, do you think you have to kind of monitor him at first? Uh, do you play him heavy in the preseason? Like, what do you think the process would be to get him ready for the regular season? Well, I think what helps is this seems like it will probably most likely be a normal offseason for once where, you know, we're going to be on uh, starting on time. There'll be the full training camp. There'll be the practices that he's got lots of time to get up to speed. We've seen players come back from injury before, and um, I think you would just treat him like normal and, you put him in uh, in the preseason a little bit, and then I I don't think he'll be right up to what you want from him come opening night. But I think you know that over the course of that first month of the season, he's only going to get better, and um, and he's going to find his legs and get going. So, uh, like, yeah, game one it won't be there, but I don't think it's going to be this massive drop off. These guys are talented players; they they know how to play this game, they know what it takes to be an NHLer, and. It's something none of us do. So I would just bet that if they deem him healthy, if they deem that he's good to go, that with the normal, you know, beginning of a season from, you know, we know there were players come and start skating on their own to training camp to preseason games to the start of the season. I think that'd just be enough for, for Oscar Kleppbaum because also you're not then putting him into being the number one defenseman like he's mm-hmm. used to being with the Oilers, where he's used to going up against the top lines of the other team. You're now also asking him to then just go up against lesser opposition, which I think also helps him get up to speed where he's not coming in having to go up against you know, the Austin Matthews and the Mitch Marners or the Nathan McKinnons or anything like that. He gets that second line, and I think that helps him with the getting up to speed. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I could be right, I could be wrong, but you've got to think he's got kind of a a little bit of a guess of which way he's going to go. And if he wants to play next year, if he's able to play physically, I assume he'll ramp up the training and do as much as he can to get ready. And then, you know, even if you have to start him off in the third pairing and kind of watch his minutes in his situations, maybe that's something you do. Now, let's say worst-case scenario, Austin Clefbaum can't go. You've got Adam Larson on your second pairing right defense. Anyone stand out to you to potentially play on that left side? That would be an interesting one. That's where things get really um, complicated for me because... I don't like the idea of necessary Philip Broberg starting in the NHL next year. I like the idea of him being in the American Hockey League and slowly developing him. Um, but then who goes into that second spot? Because that third spot, I feel like it's a lot easier. So could you go with a Chris Russell for a bit? I think that's – I'm not full, like I'm not sold on that. I think you can live with that to some degree, but I'm not sold on it. I don't know if Kulikov – um, did enough during the playoffs to impress me to go, you absolutely need to bring him back and put him there. It's one of those, like, if you're going on that right side, and we'll get to that third pairing in a bit, but if you're looking at the possibility of Bear and Bouchard being two guys there, and on that left side of, of the third pairing, two maybe even being younger, I don't like the idea of a, another younger guy in there and having four real young guys um, without a full boat of experience. And I don't know really where they would go. To me, it's almost kind of by default Chris Russell. Now, we, we did see Evan Bouchard play a little bit on that left side. Would you be hesitant to let him play second-pairing minutes, do you, or do you have him kind of locked in in that third spot? If you're going to do that, I think then you got to give him the summer and training camp to be ready and practice that side. When we mm-hmm. saw him go in the left side, now, yeah, he was playing with – um, who was it that game that he was with? It was Ethan Barry, I think, and he didn't look good. Like, it's not his side, and, and he is a right guy. So uh, I think you'd have to give him a full heads up of be the guy to, you know, to train and, and be ready for left side. 
Because if he doesn't, I wouldn't just risk him by putting him there. I'd rather have him on the third line right side because you're trying to develop him to be the guy long-term on your right side because you have a guy like Broberg coming up on the left. You know, you're really selling me on that idea of Oscar Clefbaum. And <laughs> if he can come back, your top four is good. Like, it's it's a solid pairing there. So now we drop down to the third pairing. And, Matt, what, what, I mean, what do you see here? And, and feel free to bring in a potential free agent or something, too, if you want. See, but that's the thing. Like, I look at this team, and it's I don't think they need to go spend money on for, defensemen. Because for years I've been looking and we've been talking about this pipeline of defensemen coming up for the Oilers, and it's starting to now come. Like you're, the oil is starting to slowly come to the end of this pipeline, and I don't know if I really want Ken Holland to go spend money on defense when he needs to go get goaltending and he needs to go get forwards. Where I look at the left side and I go, depending what happens, you might have Caleb Jones, who I really like as a defenseman. You got Sam Rukov, but I prefer him maybe in the minors. But you also got Lagesson. And I'm a big, I really liked what I saw from Slater Cuckoo this year. That Evan Bouchard with any of those guys, I'm fine with actually. It's, and Ken Holland can save his money for, you know, possibly re-signing Ryan Nugent Hopkins, signing that goalie that the Oilers need to, to play alongside Mike Smith, to go get more, another top six forward uh, to play with McDavid and Dreisaitl, to go and actually fill out the bottom six and get a third-line center who can score and get some depth in, in the forward group, then I don't think you need to go spend that money on defense because – I think you can work with what you have next year. And, and, and this is really crucial, I think, on Oscar Clapbaum. I think if Oscar Clapbaum's not healthy, then, yeah, you probably would have to bring someone in on that left side. Um, but you, you can go with these young guys, and over the course of the next few years, Evan Bouchard's eventually going to be your number one right side guy. Over the next couple of two, three years, you can see Philip Broberg being your second-line left guy behind Darnell Nurse, maybe even surpassing Darnell Nurse, depending on the development of Philip Broberg, that why go spend this money on a third-line or third-pairing defense when you got these other young guys that you want to see what they are, when you can go fill out your forward and goaltending. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, the one guy that I think potentially for a third-line guy that uh, I think a lot of people have kind of thrown the name out there, but Jamie Alexiak, uh, played you know over 20 minutes a game with the Dallas Stars, second-pairing guy. I feel like if, if he's your third-pairing, add some toughness and potentially has that ability to move up, that that might be one way I look, but I'm not going to go out there and offer him a ton of money. I mean, I think his cap it was somewhere around $2 million last year, so so that one might be something I look at, but I do agree with you. Uh, the Oilers, as far as defensive prospects, it's looking good, and I had Ryan Holt, uh, the voice of the Condors, on a couple weeks ago, and he said Marcus Niemelainen is a guy to watch out for. 6'5", 200 pounds, only got into about 20 games with the Condors last season, had a bit of an injury, but he said he really liked what he brought. So maybe that's another name to watch out for. Samorikov probably plays with the Condors next year. A lot of guys there to watch out for. Between the pipes now, let's let's just go with the defensive group as a whole. How do you think it looks next year for the Oilers? Mike Smith probably re-signs. You've got... Obviously, Staylock, you've got Miko Koskinen, unfortunately. How do you think it's going to turn out for the Edmonton Oilers? Sorry for that. That was negative, but that's how I feel. Hopefully, you didn't get Koskinen on a big fan <laughs> of your podcast. Um, look, I, there's no way Koskinen's back next year. There's no chance. Uh, either the Oilers are going to find a way to trade him and maybe eat some money or something like that, or eat a bio. Uh, you, you can't come back with Miko Koskinen in your in net next year. Alex Staylock's an interesting one because I don't know what they would do with him. Um, 
you know, I know some people have possibly thrown out a Mike Smith, Alex Stalock. Can you go with that? I hate that idea just because Mike Smith is 39. He will be 40 next year. And you need that next goalie to be here who's going to go win you a Stanley Cup or, or be the guy that's in the pipes. And uh, Ken Holland missed out last summer on getting that next starting goalie. And I think he really needs to go get it this summer. And whether that's be, and I think it's just going to have to be by a trade, whether that's the Merz Lickens from Columbus or, uh, yeah, Columbus, or grabbing one of the guys from Arizona. Ken Holland needs to go do something there where I, I think you go into next year with training camp going, look, you two are going to fight for this between Mike Smith and whoever you bring in. It's going to be yours, but you ultimately know whoever you're bringing in, you're saying, hey, look, either this year or come the year after, this is your team. This will hopefully be your team for a long time in your net. Um, but Ken Holland's got to go get someone. And to me, it's I look at Columbus, I look at Arizona, and getting someone from there is probably what I would like to do. With Columbus, I wonder just could you float a Caleb Jones to get someone from like Merz Lickens from them? And maybe that's part of a package because – how much does Seth, you know, I, we've heard it, you know, hey, you, you've got Caleb Jones, could the Oilers get Seth Jones? Well, maybe Columbus trying to keep Seth Jones will bring in his brother and try to entice Seth Jones to stay there. So I wonder if maybe there's a way of, you know, without losing him in the expansion draft, Caleb Jones, could you potentially float him out there to get a goalie from Columbus? Everyone seems to think that Seth Jones and Caleb Jones really want to play together. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Because, like, I mean, I, I think at some point it would be pretty cool to play with a family member, but I, I don't know. If Seth Jones wants out of Columbus, is Caleb going to keep him there? I don't think so. Okay. I don't. But, you know, maybe, you know, what is, you know, Kekalainen and John Davidson think? Maybe that's, they think, well, maybe we can hold on to him here by having his brother here or something. But uh, I'm with, like, I only hear that from. The other thing, like texters text that in or something yeah. like that. And I don't know how much there is to that. Um, but we have seen a lot of brothers play together. We saw the Stalls want to play together. Jordan wanted to go to Carolina to play with Eric and stuff. And, um, you know, and the Sedins obviously played together their whole career. And we've seen it happen at times that maybe there's a little something to it. I think it would be pretty cool to be able to play with your brother in the National Hockey League. Um, but I don't know if you're Seth Jones, if that's where you're going to commit somewhere necessarily for seven or eight years just because your brother's there. That's, I, that, that's what goes through my mind. And I saw a lot of people saying, you know, hey, we have Caleb Jones on the Oilers roster. Maybe Seth will come here. And I, I just didn't put it together. Like, as much as you love your brother, you can see them during the off season all that time. It doesn't seem like enough to make a bad situation good or anything like that. It just, I, I always kind of question that when people text it in, but uh, we can move on here. I, I want to go through this quickly, Matt, with you, and uh, and then we'll let you go. But I'm up on uh, capfriendly.com. I've got the Seattle Expansion Draft Simulator here. So I'm just going to run through some guys here, and you, you tell me what do you think the Oilers do. And I think, obviously, well, I don't think I know. I'm going to write this one down in pen. you got McDavid and Drysaddle obviously protected. I'm going to go through some names here and just tell me what, what you would do. Now, Jesse Pugliarvi is another one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock in as well, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. So far, we're doing good. Uh, how about Zach Cassian? Oh, I'm leaving him unprotected. He's unprotected. Okay. So th- the next name I've got here, and I think he might even be bought out, but James Neal. Oh, you leave him unprotected, but either he's bought out or you're finding a way to trade him. Like honestly, I do believe this summer Ken Allen talked about buyouts. I think somehow he's only going to buy out one of those guys, and the other guy's getting traded. 
I think somehow he's going to have to pull a deal to to eat money and, and get rid of one guy. Like, but I, I don't think he'll buy out both. But I, I just don't see them with the Oilers next year. So yeah, unprotected. Kyle Turris obviously unprotected. How about Josh Archibald? Unprotected. Devin Shore unprotected. unprotected. Seth <laughs> There's some names on here I shouldn't even waste my time with. Kyler Yamamoto. Oh, you protect Kyler Yamamoto. Tyler Benson. Right now, I would say unprotected, but I might have a spot later that maybe I'll have to come back and protect him. <laughs> well, we'll keep it open because you could go back for him. You could go back for Cooper Marodi. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is on the list. If signed, you're protecting him, obviously. Um, if he's not signed, you're not protecting him. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave him unsigned right now because even if he signs, I think you know to help the team out, he would just wait. I think he would wait for the draft what? to pass and then sign. Yeah, but see now, I just wonder like how, and I'd have to go back and figure out from the Vegas expansion of how close he was the NHL following that, how close he was the NHL focused on that because it's great to and we know what happens in like the Canadian Football League all the time where there's the contracts in the drawer and it just comes out later and we've got it done, but how easy is it to get away with it in the National Hockey League like when you've got such a top free agent like this. I like. I feel like there's a part of me, conspiracy theorist, they are going to get something done and it's going to be announced after the expansion draft. And that's one of the reasons all the storylines are they're far apart when it comes to contracts or anything like that is they're just laying that groundwork. But I'm also just very curious how closely the NHL is going to keep an eye on this. And, and how, can you really get away with having a contract done, which is not signed? It, it's going to be like the Seattle Kraken proudly select... Caleb Jones from the Edmonton Oilers, and then immediately you're going to see Rashad tweeting out that the news in the Oilers deal's done. Lock it in. You'll see it tomorrow. Like that. That's exactly what I think. And why wouldn't you? I mean, if the NHL wants to crack down on that, but it's going to let Tampa Bay play, you know, eighteen million dollars over the cap in the playoffs. I got my questions, but but, but Tampa didn't do anything against the rules. But would this be against the rules? If you have a contract done, just not announced. He's still under your rights, are you? Like, you still technically have his rights? Yeah. No, I'll say this. I think the Oilers, I I believe that they'll find a way to get a deal done with Nugent Hopkins. They're going to get a deal done when it comes to um, uh, Adam Larson. Only one gets announced before Seattle's expansion draft, though. They will hold off on one till after. I yeah yeah I, th- I could see that coming. So okay, so let's go on to the defense here, and I'm, I'll leave a few spots open. We'll come back to the forwards here. Uh, Darnell Nurse, obviously protected. I like to think Ethan Bear would be a guy you'd protect as well. Yes. And then that leaves you on on the list here. You've got Clefbaum, Russell Jones, Legison, Cuckoo, Larson, Kulikov, and Barry. Who we don't know their future. Larson, I will say you protect, because I think if there's a deal done, it'll be Larson before Nuke. Um, Clefbaum's a tough one for me, because as we were talking about the defense, I'm like, I like this defense when it comes to Oscar with Oscar Clefbaum on the team, and I think it's a big hole if he doesn't come back. But I also think that I don't think Seattle's going to touch Oscar Clefbaum if there's questions about his health. Why would you risk that? When you could potentially get another younger player, whether it be a Tyler Benson or a Caleb Jones or somebody like that, and you don't have those big question marks of maybe making a pick and the guy never plays again, um, I don't think Seattle would touch him. So I think the Oilers are going to be very hush on Oscar Klopfbaum. They're going to, you know, not, they're going to do their best to not prod, you know, the doctors of Klopfbaum to see how things are going. And they're going to, 
put a little cloud over what he's got. But I, I do believe that unless the Oilers 100% know he's absolutely healthy this year and he's there for the start of training camp, I think he's unprotected. All right, Matt. So I'm going to go to the goaltenders now. Koskinen, and Staylock, Skinner, Wells, Smith. Who do you think is uh, protected between the pipes here? Well, you're only going to you only have to protect one, and Smith's a free agent. So for me, I'm protecting Alex Staylock. Mm, okay. Right. If they want to get my Miko Koskinen as a backup goalie, hey, all all power to you. If Seattle takes Miko Koskinen. I would uh, buy Ron Francis a beer. That would do the Oilers a lot of favors right there. Um, we actually we had uh, Ryan Clark on with Jason Greger on Thursday, and he said a name to watch out for might be Stuart Skinner. As protected? As a guy that's, that the Kraken might look at. Well, then I'd protect him over Alex Daylock. <laughs> okay, so if I'll, you have that idea that a Stinner Skinner's a guy they're going to touch, no, you then protect him. Yeah, that, and that's what I think. Like if he's if he is your highest or highest touted. Goaltending prospect, and that's the guy you want to go, have going forward. So, okay, we protect Skinner. We've got Nurse, Bear, Larson, McDavid, Drysaddle, PRV, and Kyler Yamamoto. You've got one more forward to protect here, I believe. And you've got Tyler Ennis, Cahoon, Marodi, Chase on Benson. Obviously, some of these guys are free agents. Gambardella, haven't heard from him in a while. Kara, Patrick Russell, Seth Griffin, Devin Shore. And we went through the rest. Who, is it going to be Tyler Benson? Well, I guess in the end it kind of is, and and that to me is, I'm good with just whoever's protected, whoever's unprotected. I'm not, I don't think it's that terrible if you lose any of them. So I guess Tyler Benson, because you want to know what he can do. Um, but I don't think there's actually any significant loss for any of those guys at the Edmonton Oilers um, don't protect them and, and lose them. So I think for Ken Holland, it's it's who does Dave, him and Dave Tippett truly think are part of his future. That's who you protect. And I don't know what they think for that. So that's what I'm going to defer to them and trust them that they have somebody in their mind that they'd like. But I think the guys that we've already announced that were protected, they're just the key ones. Those are the foundation for winning a Stanley Cup or being a, a, a playoff team and, and maybe a contender. I don't think those other guys are as important to that as as anyone else. So I, I'm good with whatever. But probably then, yeah, Tyler Benson. Tyler Benson. And so seven forwards, three defense, one goalie. You actually have two more forwards you can protect. And, I mean, at this point, you might even just want to go with some of your younger guys, right? Keep Marodi. I don't know if he's ever going to, you know, do what he did in the AHL and the NHL. I don't think he's going to, you know, have that high of a ceiling or anything. But, uh, you know, you could protect him. And, geez, one more. Maybe it's Nugent Hopkins if you get that contract done right. before the draft. So maybe you can sign him in Larson. And it's not a big deal. Because I guess the only thing I would have is with Zach Cassian, if you leave them unprotected, does that hurt a relationship you have between each other? That would be the only thing I wonder about. Um, we know Oscar Kleffbaum, he was asked about it after in March, you know, the idea of him being left unprotected. And he outright said he would understand that as a business part behind that. What does that cast and feel about that? And if, if you have an open spot and you need to protect someone and you think it might hurt your relationship with Zach Cassian and there's a chance the crack might not take him and you're stuck with Zach Cassian who might not be happy, um, maybe it'd be best to protect him because, hey, look, when Zach Cassian can play, he's important. He's a good part of this team. You know, before he signed that contract, we would have all said he's a guaranteed protect. The way he's played over the last year and a half, that's the problem, and, and he needs to find his game. But, uh, you know, but that's also part of all his expansion draft things is, is the relationship between team and player because only one guy is going to get taken. And if you ruin a relationship and you're stuck with that player, what does that do? 
maybe that would be what fires him up. Like, oh, you left me unprotected, hey? Check this out. 20 goals scored, playing on the top line with McDavid. Maybe a good way to fire him up. But I, if, if that was the case, I would I would have some serious questions. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Grow up. Like, I understand. Ego, baby. Yeah, and ego's Everyone's a big got thing. An ego. He, he got paid like a, a star, you know, that $3.2 million cap it. I think he's got to live up to it now. But, Matt, I, I like this group. I mean, McDavid, Dryselp, Yarvi. Yamamoto, Nuge, Marodi, Benson, all protected up front. You've got Nurse, Bear, and Larson on the defense, Stuart Skinner. It almost seems to me like if I'm Seattle, uh, it's got to be Caleb Jones. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I really wonder, are the Oilers going to be one of those teams that can give the, the crack in something else, whether it be a pick or something like that, to get take a specific player or take someone off their books or something like that? And I wonder if Ken Holland's even one of those GMs who makes one of those side deals to protect in some way. But but that's why I would say, look, if if you are, think you're going to leave Caleb Jones unprotected, and you know it, that that's the guy that the Kraken would take, I think at that point you just try to find a way to move him and get something for him, and you then give up something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that. Is definitely something they could do. I don't think they'll get another situation uh, like Griffin Reinhardt, where they lost a guy and he never played a game in the NHL again. But I, I think whoever the Oilers lose, I, I don't think it's going to be this like a Shea Theodore type situation either. Mm-hmm. Where I think the Oilers are going to be really bitten behind about the player that they lost. That I think the Oilers through two expansion drafts are going to be one of those teams that actually. Made out pretty well, and some other teams are the ones that you know hurt more. The Oilers will not be in the Florida Panthers category, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or the Anaheim Ducks type thing. So, yeah. like, I think things will be pretty good for them. I just, I do wonder. Just a gut feeling. I feel like Ken Holland's one of those guys that's going to make some sort of move with the crack in a side deal uh, to maneuver with some things. <sighs> You know what? There's there's no off-season, Matt. There's something that's going to keep us occupied throughout this NHL summer. Really appreciate you hopping on today. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Connor. Excellent stuff from Matthew Wanick of TSN 1260. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Matthew Wanick. And let me know on Twitter, what do you think? Who do you think the Oilers should protect? I mean, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Is it Caleb Jones who the Oilers might lose? Will Ken Holland try to make a deal and uh, maybe Ron Francis in the crack and take somebody else off their hands? Let me know what you think on Twitter at uh, Connor Halley. And that is going to wrap it up for us here on the other Connor podcast, another edition in the books. To let you know, I will be on vacation next week, so we will not have any new shows next week. But the week following that, we will have a Hockey Hall of Famer. Somebody I wanted to get on the Dynasty show, but uh, we just couldn't make it work. So we're going to get him on the regular show. Grant Fear will join me on the next edition of the Other Connor podcast, but that won't drop until July. I just wanted to let people know so you can make sure you tune in because it's going to be appointment podcast. You want to hear that conversation from one of the best goalies of all time. Grant Fear joins me next time on the Other Connor podcast. But thank you so much for tuning in once again. I really do appreciate it. Big thank you to Matthew Wanick of TSN 1260 for joining me on the show today. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you again for tuning in to the Other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Brought to you by DraftKings. When you sign up with DraftKings, use promo code THPN, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.